Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Hello and welcome to episode two of You, Me and the GP with me, Rich Clark. And me, Mark Daniels. Thank you, Mark. And we are going to do a Q&A session today and we have had uh, six or seven questions sent in by you guys and uh, we really appreciate it. If you want to have your questions answered, email me at info at richard-clark.co.uk or you can uh, tweet it or you can Facebook it to me, uh, whatever uh, way is easiest for you. If you do uh, ask a question, you get entered into our prize draw to uh, win uh, a prize in January. don't even know what the prize is yet, but it'll be something good. We run in a prize for people who ask questions and leave reviews to try to get as much engagement now in the front end of things as possible. We can't do this without you, so if you can recommend the show to other over 40s, uh, who you think will benefit uh, from from what we've got to say? Thank you very much. So, without further ado, first question uh, from a, a friend and a client of mine. His name uh, is actually Mike Hart. Hart with an A, um, not the E A. Sorry. Um, what advice could you give for holistic treatment of atrial fibrillation? And uh, I'll ask you that, Mark. Uh, atrial fibrillation is, uh, for those who don't know, is uh, an illness uh, where the heart doesn't beat regularly. Uh, it's caused by uh, an electrical conduction defect. So it's not an illness that is particularly conducive to um, holistic treatment. The only thing I can really say about it is the evidence now is that for the younger, under 75s, who've got no um, other medical problems that affect the heart, and other risk factors, don't take aspirin anymore because uh, really you're just treating the doctor, you're not treating yourself. And the evidence is that aspirin is no longer uh, treatment for young people with atrial fibrillation. And really, it's, there's no reason why you shouldn't just exercise and live a healthy, healthy lifestyle. And possibly as you get older and more risk factors creep in, it may be worth you taking warfarin as you, as you get older. But uh, you may you may not need that even in, even in the fullness of time, depending on on your actual health status. But uh, uh, Rich it will tell you all about the uh, the more exercise related uh, activities you can do. Yeah, well, regarding uh, Mike, I'll tell you Mike's story. Um, he, he, he doesn't mind. He, he's he's a he's a great chap. Mike is a, a Tai Chi instructor. He's uh, forty nine years old, I think, or forty eight. And he came to me for an assessment and I, I put a blood pressure cuff on him. Fine, blood pressure, fine, heart rate was fine. I put a heart rate monitor on him and his heart was going from fine to not fine within a space of one or two seconds. So we were going 65, 68, 70, 223, 
65, 70, 150, 225, and the heart rate was bouncing around like that. Now, Mike was totally unaware at this point. Fortunately, I'd seen this thing before. Whilst I, I'd been working in cardiac rehab for 12 years, and I've seen this before uh, a couple of times, and I knew as long as Mike's perception of the activity was okay, and I knew he's exercising regularly before coming to me, that this is quite normal for him. So we continued with a, a, an assessment. We, we kind of didn't do anything too intense, and I referred him back to his uh, doctor. Now, for while we were waiting for the appointment to come through, we just did a bit of massage and nutritional kind of uh, interventions and things like that, just to be on the safe side. But as soon as he seen the doctor, the doctor said, get back to exercise. Because as you said, Mark, he doesn't have the comorbidities, he doesn't have the other risk factors with it. So like you've taught me, it's something's got to be taken in context of the bigger picture. And his bigger picture is that he's a fit, healthy uh, chap. So that's uh, very reassuring for him. The advice I'd give to anybody, especially if you have been put on medication, they're trying to put Mike on a beta blocker, which he's resisting at the moment. Prolonged warm-up. That's all, really, just to keep it on the safe side. So make sure your warm-up is 10 to 12 minutes long, um, just to allow time for the blood pressure medications to um, vasodilate the valves in the heart, because it is a slight delay when you are on beta blockers between that um, happening naturally. It happens between 8 and 10 minutes, and then if you're medicated, it, it takes a little bit longer. So prolonged warm-up. Listen to your body and be sensible. I wouldn't say any specific exercise advice, because somebody like Mike is able to do pretty much what I'd call normal training, pull-ups, squats, deadlift, um, so on. Um, whereas other clients I've had are after doing abbreviated circuit because of the position they were in coming to me, not because of their illness as such, so because of about their activity and exercise history. So hopefully that'll help you, Mike. I know, obviously, you're, you're doing great at, at the moment, and uh, you kind of uh, wanted to see the doctor's opinion on that. What was the, the thing I spoke to you about just before we go on, Matt? Before you said about was there some sort of restart? Or was that one of the different heart conditions we might no, have? No, you, you can have, can uh, have like an atrial ablation. ablation. Yeah, that you, was you it. Get, you, treatment for younger people nowadays tends to be what's called an atrial ablation. Uh, that can, it basically, it gets, it damages the, um, the thing that sparks your, your heart. For the AV or the SO yeah. node. Yeah, it, absolutely, uh, yeah. It, it basically damages that, and so it does. It just stops all these odd, be, odd sort of um, extra beats coming in. Um, this is it's very effective, but some people need it done more than once. Uh, it ha it's not without its risk, but the risks are very, very small compared with oh, actually right. having a flutter, uh, which is um, having having it. Sorry, having atrial fibrillation, which is when it's constantly um, irregular is actually a safer thing than when it goes in and out of uh, mm, mm. Fibrilla uh, fibrillation. When I you think go Mike is the, 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 the first one. No, he, he's, he's, he's constantly, constantly... Yeah, yeah, he's, okay, he's yeah. safer. That's actually safer. But um, nowadays, for younger people, ablation is, is the treatment of choice. Right. I mean, very rarely do people get put on uh, any other medication other than uh, beta blockers, I suppose, just to keep the symptoms under control. Mm. But... It's usually ablation for, and that's just like a little, like a reset of the heart, it's, or it's, like it's, a it, reset it, the heart drive. Well, sort of, well uh, they, they can they can actually do. It. I mean, they used to be before they did ablations. They used to do actually, actually put the paddles on you, get a bump, little, little blast, shock, and see, shock, see what happens. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they still do that, but I think ablation is now slowly taking over. Uh, I certainly do it in Cardiff. Whether they do it in, locally in Morriston, I'm not sure. Yeah, right, I, can't, right. I can't think of top of my head. Which very interesting. Do. Very interesting indeed. Question two. 
from uh, Trevor Jones. Um, Trevor says, Hi Rich, uh, with reference to your email, uh, I am 56 year old male, just recovered from a full right hip replacement. The operation was five weeks ago. My left hip is due to be replaced in the near future. I don't have a date for that yet. The problem was osteoarthritis initially. I am more mobile now, but conscious of the fact that fitness levels have dropped considerably due to the pain of the arthritis over the years, plus having the operation. My question is what I could, could and should be doing now to improve my fitness levels. Well, do you want to come in on the osteoarthritis? I mean, yeah, the certainly. Osteoarthritis, but it gets me down a bit. People come in and I say, well, you're overweight, you need to do a bit of exercise. They say, well, I've got osteoarthritis. I say, well, everything says osteoarthritis, the primary treatment for osteoarthritis is exercise. Even NICE, which is the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, they say exercise is the cornerstone of treatment for osteoarthritis. So anyone who's got osteoarthritis, you know, even if you've got a stick or whatever, get out there, even if you're just walking, do some exercise. I mean, obviously for this gentleman, he, he needs a, a more tailored approach which you can give him, but mm. for anyone with osteoarthritis, I just implore you to do some exercise. Mm. Great. Um, pretty much um, along the same lines, all I would do with a, a, a client like this, um, I, I pretty much weave his rehab into some form of exercise program, if I could. Uh, we do everything on a dose response, so we see what his level of inflammation is like, um, assess and make our decisions based on that. So if we do a session and he, he gets a reaction from it, obviously we, we know what the dose was of that session, so it's easy enough to reduce it down. Usually we underplay things, start at a very low level uh, and short sessions and build things up over a period of time. But uh, it's very much a dose response, so it's difficult to say what one person can do, uh, the next person can't. I have a lady who I meet in the morning who's just had a resurfacing of the hip and uh, we will be pretty much, she's four or five weeks as well, Trevor. We will be doing an upper body workout uh, pretty much. We'll be getting her some cardio because her inflammation at the moment is too high. I had an email off the physio yesterday and he said, you know, she's overdoing it. She's sort of doing too much and, and I'm just going to kind of give her a more of a mental session tomorrow to boost her up mentally. So I would say, Trevor, walk mate um you know if low steps and stairs are all right and without any pain then then you can start to do that but i'd certainly um, maybe look at doing an arm ergometer in the gym uh, and um, some upper body stuff to keep you ticking over but it's all based on your inflammation and your pain response pal so depending on where you're at with your, your feelings of soreness and inflammation depends how much uh, you, you can really do but start at a low level and build up Okay, next question from Janet Wilkins. Uh, Hi Rich, Mark, can you tell me if you have any advice for me with bursitis in the hips? I'm a 52-year-old female, going to the gym just flares it up. Thanks, Janet. Well, bursitis of the hip is, from my experience, is actually not a particularly common condition. So I'd, I'd like to know, Janet, where, where, where you got the diagnosis and make sure that the diagnosis is correct because there are many, many things that can cause pain in your hip. Even things from your back can cause pain in your hip and even from your knee. I mean, knee, knee pain is often referred to the hip, so you may find it's not your hip, it's your knee. So make sure that you've got a good diagnosis first. I, the, um, you can have your, your bursitis injected, but it's done under ultrasound because the actual joint space is extremely small in your hip. So it's not an easy thing. You can just walk into your GP and get an get a injection like you can with your knee or your elbow. You actually need um, specialist input for 
if it is actually bursitis to have a, a, a steroid injection to that hip. But I, I think Richard will be able to tell you about um, some exercise you can do for uh, bursitis. Yeah, uh, generally, again, I suppose going back, this will help Trevor as well. Uh, I didn't really kind of go too much into the physio side of the rehab, but for bursitis, avoid any impact, obviously. Um, avoid any overuse. Avoid stairs, hills, anything like that in the short term. So if you are going in the gym, Janet, then um, you have to uh, have a very limited program to start. If you're able to, to bike and cycle, that's probably a, a good thing to get the ball rolling, really walking and, and some light mm-hmm. cycling, swimming, always the, the, the water-based stuff. No breaststroke um, on, on that. Um, just a little tip there. So exercises for hips. Glute bridges, uh, you're lying on your back, feet flat on the floor, raising your hips up. You can Google any of these. They'll be in the show notes below the, the podcast. Then you've got something called the clam, which some ladies may be aware of. You're lying on your side, uh, supporting your head um, and, and your body, and then you're kind of um, opening your knees. Uh, your knees are bent and you're opening your legs in a clam-like kind of manoeuvre. Then we have something called um, an X-band walk or a crab walk. Um, you have glute uh, kickbacks, so it's all exercises to work the inside and the outside of the hip, working your glute minor and your adductor muscles, trying to just strengthen those movements. We're very much forward and backwards in society, probably more, we do everything very much on a frontal plane, and the, the minor muscles then, they do tend to get very weak, so there's a bit of rehab for you, any of those terms, you, you don't quite know what the exercise is for, you can either drop us a line or just Google it. Okay, so that was Janet, um, and also Janet, um, if it's an inflammatory uh, type thing going on there, then and the same for Trevor with the osteoarthritis, I would go along an anti-inflammatory type diet plan, um, and that is basically what we said in podcast one, it's just a whole natural food um, uh, diet, okay, with uh, very little things like uh, wheat, and dairy, and gluten, alcohol, sugar, so cut all the inflammatory stuff out, okay? That should help. Next question. Good one for you, Mark. Low testosterone is inherent in over 40s. HRT for males is now available, but I hear that it increases the risk of heart attack and stroke. Is this correct? Now, this is from Carl Schmidt. I'm not quite sure where Carl's from. Is at me.com is his email address. So I think it's outside of the UK. Uh, and it's a very foreign-looking name. So, um... Does HRT for men and women, I suppose, increase the risk of heart attack and stroke, Mark? Well, certainly um, the evidence for women is uh, inconclusive, is for a better term. It used to be, um, HRT for women used to be sold on the fact that it was uh, improved your cardiovascular outlook. But uh, there's a lot of conflicting evidence, and I, I think we really can't say yes or no on that, but I don't think it does any harm, for sure. Now, with testosterone for men... Uh, certainly it's the opposite if you have a low testosterone you are increased risk of heart disease if you have a normal testosterone you are no and you, you uh, supplement with normal testosterone you you will not have an increased risk the so no no the answer is no absolutely yeah. but i it all goes back to my uh, original premise about why i i do um this sort of work is that I, i'm more interested in why someone's got a low testosterone not how to treat the low testosterone. How to get it up. How to get it up. I mean, you can get it up by giving testogen, uh, testogen patches, etc. but, or, or even gels, gels and, and lots, of, lots yeah. of other ways. But, 
If you do that, you mess up all the negative feedback because you're giving a, a substance outside the body and the body's incredibly good at, at feedbacking to itself. So if you give test, test, uh, testosterone externally, you're then um, shutting down the actual ways you make testosterone yourself because the body says, I'll get another testosterone, I don't need to make it anymore. So it is more difficult to get people off it once they're on it. Now, I would suggest that people look at why they've got low testosterone rather than actually just treat it. So uh, I would certainly look at, first of all, your adrenal axis because that's where everything tends to start. So if you, I would have a test for my adrenal function to see if um, my adrenal axis is working, all right? If that, and that, that's a very simple test. You can do it, you can do it um, with a, a, just a, a swab in, inside your mouth and it'll test your um, adrenal status over the whole day because it does fluctuate throughout the whole day. Uh, I would have that done. I would also um, look at my sleep to make sure that sleep was okay because that again affects your testosterone. Uh, I would look at your your actual uh, body state. Um, yeah, if you're overweight, then your your fat cells are sitting there making estrogen, which uh, antagonizes your testosterone uh, formation. So I would certainly look at your. If you're not lean, then you, you're certainly working against yourself. I'd look at the external uh, estrogens because I mean there's there's no external testosterone unfortunately there's loads of external estrogens mm. uh, anything from the tap where you warm up your food in, in the microwave to the carpets to the shower curtains etc mm-hmm. you know so there are lots and lots I mean it's a whole podcast to go into the reasons why people have got low yeah we're going to get the the, um, the hormonal specialist uh, in to, yeah, to, to discuss that on a special podcast yeah I, so I think um, I would look at the causes first before you d- jump into um, actually actually taking so, test supplements a bit. I mean, there are there are actual herbal. I mean, Tribulus is, a, is, a, is an excellent herbal supplement, and you can try that. I mean, but I would certainly look into the cause first. Like in all things, I would look into the cause before you stick a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, yeah. Not just throwing um, uh, some hormones at the, yeah, the problem. And uh, Okay, so on that, I just wanted to kind of ask you, I, I've read... Um, statistics and obviously we know statistics are not always the best uh, thing to, to, to go by but as a general statement then um, I've I seen something that said that a man now in his 20s to 30s has a 75% lower testosterone than a man who was born in the 1950s when he was in his 20s and 30s so would you agree with that? Yeah, the, the problem we have with all sort of assays of any test is they're done on a normal population. So if you have, if you take, say, vitamin D, if you take everyone in the UK's vitamin D, it will be, and you get a normal, uh, the, the median amount, so the, the middle number, it will be a certain number. But unfortunately, that number may not be the correct number because we may all be slightly lower than we were. Same with testosterone, mm. we may all be slightly lower. So the, what's called normal now mm. may actually be a lot lower than what it normal was. was. 25, 30 years ago. Mm. So we, it's very difficult. If you get a lab result that says normal, it may not be normal, all right? Because mm. the lab results are only on the normal population. So we, they did a study in Australia and they showed that 75% of people in Australia, very sunny place, had low vitamin D. But their results often came back as normal because the population had a low vitamin D. So it is, it is a difficult thing. So... 
it is probably environmental that we're... So the there is, there, 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 you would agree that there is a massive trend oh, absolutely. I see people in their 20s and 30s who are coming in looking to, to get Viagra, etc., because they, right. they have a low testosterone. I wouldn't have seen... I mean, Viagra wasn't around 20 years ago, but it was... Certainly, people weren't coming in with impotence uh, at a younger age than they, are right. at, than they are now. And I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that the population is more overweight, there's more toxic um, fa- environmental factors out there. And I think people, all people should, all men should certainly look at their hormone level. I think women have how much more complicated, and when you get a woman's, I mean, we're about to get questions about women's hormones, and they are so much more complicated than men. Yes. But when we, we don't really look at male hormones, because as long as we can produce some, some sperm and they can, we can reproduce, then one never cares about men's hormones, whereas women's hormones affect them so much, their mood and their outlook on life. And we, we, we well know about that, but men's hormones, if they're low testosterone, they are more moody, they're more, you know, and we don't really Okay, talk that. to me then, tell me what the symptoms, I know, but do tell the listeners, what are the symptoms of low testosterone? Well, low testosterone, you, low libido is the classic. I yes. Mean, you get a very low libido. Sleeplessness, you can't sleep. You, you, you. It's feeling of depression is is mm. quite common. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're 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 the main three that I see people who come in depressed. And I say, well, you know, first a man comes depressed. I say, ask them straight away. How's your sex life? And they go, oh, I haven't got one. You know, and you suddenly think, oh, light bulb goes off. And you say, well, maybe something's going on with your hormones. Something's going on with your hormones. And we don't tend to ask. When it comes to some kind of depression, we don't ask about hormones enough. So uh, maybe a loss of uh, morning erection, yeah. less of strength of the erection. Absolutely, absolutely. and can't maintain the erection. Yeah. All, all that, all all that, that. Is, is very common. Moody, irritable, memory loss. Well, memory loss is classic. I mean, we all know, women, when they go through their menopause, they, they, go, they have memory loss. And it's classic. Every doctor recognises it. A woman comes in and says, I've got flushes, I've got memory loss. They say, yeah, menopause. But men who have memory loss, no one, people don't tend to think, oh, it's because mm. they've got low testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and, it, and you actually, if you have a low testosterone, you're... you're Risk of having um, cognitive problems, memory problems as you get older, is is higher and higher. Mm. You know, so you, you you really have to look at male testosterone. Is that is that a real problem? Mm. I have three clients who are on um, BHRT, so bioidentical yeah, hormone yeah, yeah, replacement right. therapy, yeah. which is a more natural yeah. form. Again, uh, we're hoping it's uh, better than synthetic, but nobody really kind of knows for sure. It's quite new. Um, but one of them was a, a kind of long distance cyclist yeah. and they're kind of uh, renowned for having uh, lower testosterone sure. sitting on the saddler yeah. for literally 10 or 12 hours on, on a Sunday um, another chap is a businessman and um, again he went through all the tests he was optimised with regards he was already a client of mine so he's eating well he's exercising yeah. and um, he's gone on it and, and his business and his performance in work he said is, is, he feels like he's in his 20s again sure. he, he said so there's a, there's a school of thought in America, um, and it is a bit more of a capitalistic uh, society over there, and we're not uh, like them, and, but a lot of men in their 40s and 50s are going on it to keep themselves sharp and competitive. Sure. Um, they're training, they're eating well, they, yeah. they're lifting weights, but they are still, um, because of the, the environmental estrogens, they're feeling like, like a woman, or they're feeling yeah. not like manly then, if you like. So sure. there's a big move over there, and I, I do see it coming over to this country where... I've, I've noticed my clients are saying stuff to me, well, you know, I've made every sale and every meeting I've done since I've been on it. Yeah. Confidence is up. Yeah. Therefore, their sales is up and their earnings is up. And one chap said to me, if I carry on like this for the next 10 years, I'll be selling my business for about 40% more than I thought. Sure. So it, it's, yes, there's a cost to all these things. There's a prescription and things like that if you do it privately. But 
these businessmen are telling me that it's like a performance enhancing thing. Now, as a man, I, I can't help but feel, find that quite exciting. And, uh, you know, I, 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 can you know? I can see your excitement, but I also still think you need to look at why the testosterone is low. Yes. And you need to, because there is, there is, okay, you've got, you've got external factors. You can minimise those external factors. Mm. And it's probably, a lot of these people, if there's businessmen, they're going yes, to yes, yes. They may not be sleeping, they may mm. not be, um, getting enough rest they may not be just chilling out a bit yes yes and sometimes you need that recharge to make yourself go there is a risk there is a risk that we give all these people testosterone and they go 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 and they're not actually getting enough rest for their bodies right, right. so it's overstimulated perhaps exactly uh, they can be but, I mean there is that it's a happy medium I yes. think you have to look get every, all their ducks in a row if their ducks are in a row and they've mm. still got low testosterone yes then yeah. testosterone replacement yes. but until you've got your testosterone I wouldn't go straight into testosterone no, no, replacement no 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 so as you do things right as you yeah. say make sure you've got all the basics right but yeah. don't rule it out for men in their no, 40s and 50s absolutely not no, for no, sure. be, I, be, I, yeah. I think because there is so much so much toxic stuff out there that, yeah. uh, and you can get testosterone tests uh, as you say, done with yourself, yeah. and uh, it's a really uh, interesting thing. I think when I hit my 40th, I'll be in with you um, for uh, some testing there. I'm confident they're high. <laughs> um, okay, next question from Anonymous. I just wanted to let people know, if you do have a question, and it's you know about that wart on your ass or something like that, and you don't really want the whole world to, to know about it, then it's fine, just let me know you want it to be anonymous, and I won't uh, re reveal your, your name or anything sort of more personal. Next question then, um, delicate one Mark and, and something that we obviously got to be very careful about what we say is a, a lady who sister has stage 4 uh, cervical cancer, um, she was given 12 months to live 9 months ago um, and they're researching and trying everything as a family, is there any general advice you can give? Now I get a lot of people who, who know me, right, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, like my dad's had cancer, he, he's, he's beaten one type, he's got another two types of cancer now, it's ongoing with him, and, and some of my friends and family are aware of this, and, and for some reason, because of my job and the position, they're like asking me now, I, I haven't got a bloody clue about cancer, really, I know just the basic overview of, of stuff, and, and I am going to try to get an oncologist, uh, in the swimming club my son goes to, there's an oncologist there, who I speak to on occasion, and I hope to have her to agree to come on to the show to let us interview her, but generally, Mark, being as sensitive as you can, what would you say, any advice for, for, the, for this poor, poor family there going through well, that? Stage 4 cancer, it means, it's spiker cancer, means it's gone above the diaphragm, in other words, it's, it's distantly spread, so it's, it's a, a very advanced cancer, so it, obviously far more difficult to treat, to treat. And um, she's obviously been done all the conventional treatment. I expect she's had chemotherapy, etc. Now, if you're going to, as well as treating it on the conventional way, ways, the only real treatment I can think of that may have some benefit is trying a ketogenic diet. Now, ketogenic diet is basically a high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate, because some cancers have, well, almost all cancers have to, uh, glucose. Obligate. In other words, they have to get their nutrition from glucose. So if you restrict the glucose, then the cancer can't grow. But your body can actually use ketones to function. So if you can get to a ketogenic diet, it's not easy. You have to eat something like 80% fat and only 5% carbohydrate, 15% protein. But it's out there. You can Google it. There's lots and lots of good resources on ketogenic. There's a lot of research going on in the in oncology about using ketogenic diets. Um, so 
take a look at it, see if you can do it. I mean, you do, do not want to make, if the, if the client or the patient can tolerate the ketogenic diet, fine. But if they, can't, if they find that they, they, they're a the sort of person who can't tolerate a diet, then, uh, you know, you have to, you have to think about how long this person is. Quality, yeah, they've, 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 they've said exactly that to my dad. He said, should I go on any big nutritional and any big lifestyle change? And they said, look, don't stress yourself out by, by doing any ma major changes and stuff, you know, which uh, I was a bit surprised, but I can understand as, as the rationale behind that. Um, the next question leads on from that one, and um, my dad won't mind, but he takes alkalizing salts three times yeah. a day, trying to alkalize the body on that kind of uh, theory of, of treating cancer. Would any of these supplements affect uh, pain medication or any other medications in general? And it is a question I've been asked a lot in, in the past. Uh, it is. It's, uh, I mean, it's brought home uh, to me. I mean, we. I often get asked by patients, can I take this, can I take that? And often I look at the ingredients and I haven't got a clue what the ingredients are mm. even. You know, they're, mm. they're, they're various plant extracts, etc. But I'm not sure. I mean, it was brought home to us by a, a patient of ours who was on warfarin, Fanafreya, which we discussed earlier. And he, his friend told him that um, taking cranberry juice for prostate would, uh, would improve his prostate. So he took vast amounts of cranberry juice. And unfortunately, he bled out and died. And now the um, British National Forum has cranberry juice as a, as a, a risk if you take warfarin as well yeah. as grapefruit juice. Yeah. So there are things that you can that seem very natural that you can take that can mess up um, medications that you're prescribed. Mm. I mean, a, a classic one is you shouldn't take anti-inflammatories with, um, and I've forgotten the name of it again, as we talked about before, the um, thing for bones. Uh, oh, glucosamine. glucosamine uh, uh, yeah, that is a complicated with... Anti-inflammatory. Anti yeah. So it's a very common thing that people take. That it, it's you know it's also contraindicated if you're allergic to fish, which because mm. it's made out of um, shellfish. Mm. So the interaction is is uh, fascinating, isn't yeah. it? And you have to I mean, be careful. There are there interactions. So if you are going to take any supplements, I would suggest that you, you if you are medicated, if you're not on medication, you're probably okay. But if you're mm. not on medic, if you're on medication. Uh, I would certainly have a chat with your doctor and say, look, is this okay? Mm. But even, even I would even Google it. Because mm. if you Google it, you will find the contraindication. You'll find yes. out there. So the, the main ones to avoid are obviously the ones you've mentioned yeah, there. Well, there's more than that, but they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're ones that come to mind. Very, very, very uh, prominent. Yeah, very prominent, because I had yeah, come to both of them. But mm. I, would, I would Google it first. If you can't see anything there... Still worth it. If you're on any sort of major medications, I would um, mm. speak to your doctor. A quick story on a tangent. Um, bit of a shocker. Hold yourselves in the groins, gentlemen who are listening. I don't know whether you've told me this story or whether it was somebody else, but I certainly remember it. It's hard to forget. A chap goes to the A&E with heart and chest problems. They asked him if he was taking any medication, anything like that. He said no, but he'd taken a Viagra tablet previous the day before or something like that they've gone and given him a gtn spray on top of his viagra tablet uh, if you don't know what gtn is glycerol tri uh, nitrate uh, spray it's a vasodilator used to treat uh, heart problems angina etc this chap had gtn spray with his viagra still in his system and no word of a lie he had to have his penis amputated yeah. so that is an extreme example but be upfront and honest with the doctors and the nurses in A and E because I tell you something: the, the, these interactions between medications are, are important. You don't mess it up because yeah. that's the that's the that's worse. Patients don't seem to think that um, medications are dangerous. Yes, I mean it's the fifth commonest cause of death in Britain. 
medication. Medication. And, you know, wow. cancer, your heart disease, strokes, looking at medication. Mm. So you have to be very, very careful. They're not smarties. They are actually quite, can be quite toxic. So be very careful what you take and why you take it. I can't help myself, but I'll share another quick uh, story here now. Uh, the, the statistic uh, one that I heard that um, most, uh, w- the biggest risk to a woman's health on her life is a man. But the biggest risk to a man's health in his life is heart disease. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, women, uh, just uh, watch out for the, for the man uh, that is in your life there. Well, men don't live as long if they're not married. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, whereas women live, live longer if they don't marry. Oh, right. Fascinating. So, there so, we go. Yeah, that makes uh, perfect sense. Men, so, uh, yeah. uh, we better not say too much. Yeah, We're both exactly. ma- married here. Yeah, so. Okay. Um, next question. Um, hi, Rich. Hope you don't mind me getting in touch. Um... My partner spoke to you a while ago about my mum, and you said you'd get in touch, and said that I'd get in touch with you, but I haven't until now. Basically, we are desperate. Uh, she's had her entire stomach removed last September. It wasn't cancer, but hundreds of growths, which could have changed the cancer any day, and they were pretty sure it would be a very aggressive cancer. They removed it as a precaution. The surgeon was amazing and the operation was successful, but she has basically had zero aftercare. She's still losing weight nearly a year later and she's down to 5 stone 13 pounds as of last week. She has had an NHS dietitian, but every supplement they've given her, Insure, etc., and those supplements has been rejected. She can't tolerate high amounts of sugar, so I suspect that's the problem with them. Her eating has improved dramatically over the last year, but she continues to lose weight. She did a food diary with a dietitian who said she was eating enough calories for weight gain and there was nothing he could do with her. Her surgeon's follow-up care has been non-existent. She saw a gastroenterologist today who told her just to accept it. I'm furious. Accept the dramatic life changes, yes, but not the continued weight loss. I know this is a long email, but just wanted to put you in the picture. It's a very specific problem, so I completely understand if you feel you can't help. But if you think you could, I'd be so grateful for some advice. My mum is the nicest person in the world and spent her whole life helping others. I'll be bloody crying here now. (laughs) Uh, So I'm making it my mission to find someone who can help her. Um, In case you need to know, her age is 55. Uh, Any tips or advice would be fab. Um, If you'd like to meet her or me, let me know. Um, Mark, over to you, Paul, weight loss. Um... Yeah, the, the thing that strikes me on this is that the dietitian says she's eating enough calories, which means somehow she's not absorbing those calories. And that, that's what we've got to look at, is the, the, the absorption. Now, the, she's had her stomach taken away. It's part of her stomach taken away. I wonder whether she had any of her bowel taken away. It doesn't say in the, in the question no. whether she had any bowel, because you need certain things to, to be able to absorb things. You need bile, to, bile and you need pancreatic enzymes to be able to absorb the fats uh, in your diet. And you need a decent um, gut wall to be able to absorb all the other nutrients. Now, if you haven't got those, you are not going to absorb them. No matter how many calories you put in, you're not going to absorb them. Yeah. Um, so I would like pancreatitis almost. Well, absolutely. Uh, I, I would look at her absorption. I mean, certainly a stool test might be worth looking at to see if she's actually absorbing fats. You could have all very fatty and oily stools, can't you? Is it just a, a visual Abs- absolutely. Uh, if you're not absorbing them? Absolutely. You can see on, on the pan, you can see there's an, an oil slick there, basically. So it's worth looking there to see if she's absorbing it. And some pancreatic enzymes might be of benefit then. For like that. amylase and things like that. Well, is you, it, can uh, get, you get a whole, a whole packet. Pancreas, is it? Pancreatase. Yeah, pancreatase. Yeah, pancreatase. Yeah. You get a, um, it all comes in one sachet and you just take it. It's a drink. So, so you, it's worth looking to see if she's got any pancreatic problems. It's also worth looking at her gut integrity. She says she can't tolerate sugars. I would, I would suggest she takes 
may be worth having a, a gluten sensitivity test, but it, but even just taking gluten out of a diet might might be mm. a benefit because that would help a gut wall integrity and stop having leaky gut. Um, as far as calories go, I would eat things that are nutritionally dense. I mean, things like liver, organ meats, um, anything, even if you can tolerate dairy, even things like double cream, etc. They would they anything made with those sort of um, nutrient dense foods would be a benefit but overall I think it's looking at why she's not absorbing the food is the most important thing so even if your stomach is not there you can still absorb through other areas of the digestive well, tract the stomach doesn't really absorb anything right okay. the stomach is not your absorption thing your, your, your absorption starts really you, 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 you can absorb some things stuff, but most of the absorption happens in the large, intestine large intestine well, small, small intestine, intestine yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so really it's the, the integrity of those I mean you can have I mean Craig had his the sleeve. I mean, he had most of his stomach taken away. He has no problem with digestion. Right. I just wonder whether she's got something called polyposis coli, where she's got um, these growths in her colon. Polyps, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's it seems strange that it's a stomach, not a colon. But I mean, I'm sure there is an illness where you get polyps in your in your stomach. But the the basic bottom line is find out why she's not digesting. So do some tests why she's not digesting, especially a stool test. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's uh, fantastic. And uh, I say I won't mention the name of who that was, but she'll know, and I'll email it to say we've answered the question. Okay, uh, last question for the day. Um, coming up to 36 minutes. Hi, Rich. Hope you're doing well. Um, can I ask you an exercise question? It's the area a couple of inches above my belly button. I'm not sure if it's excess fat, or do I need to tone this area as it looks kind of wrinkly? LOL. Depending how I stand, any tips be grateful. My first response was stand with your hands above your head and you'll be fine. But that didn't really yeah. cut it. She's uh, a friend of mine from school. Go on, Mark. What I, was, I was hoping you could, could get rid of my wrinkles of my face as well. That, yeah. might, that might be some exercise to do that. But I just, there's, I mean, you can't spot fix anything, can you? Spot reduction is uh, bullshit, guys. So you can't, so you can't uh, spot redu uh, reduce. Um... Anything else from your perspective that you mentioned when we? Yeah, I think I think if she's got but a lot of women, women. A lot, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of women have bloating. Um, maybe men have bloating, but women seem to to have it more than men. I would I would suggest again. I only second old record. I suggest she goes on a gluten uh, free diet because that will that will certainly get rid of the bloating. Mm. As far as it being wrinkly, I mean, has she lost a lot of weight? She's had a couple of kids, I think, and yeah. and uh, she's not never been big, um, yeah. but um, she's she's gained like probably ten or fourteen pounds and then lost it and stuff like that. And uh, you know, my my wife complains to me about this whole yeah. kind of bloating thing and and. You know, without wanting to give too much away, I know women can go from being bloated and pregnant looking yes. to a flat stomach overnight. within a few days or overnight, and yeah. there's no reason or rhyme or reason I to think, it. I think know? most of it, I mean, I, I get this all the time. I tell people, you know, they come in with bloating. I say, look, just go on, I give them the diet, gluten free diet, go away. And then two years later, they come back and say, oh, thank you very much. And I look at them and think, what for? I can't do anything. And they say, well, you, get, you, you solved my, my bloating problem. And mm. I think, well, brilliant. that's the way to do it. Yeah, so yeah. I, if I was her, I would do that first, try that first, and then if that doesn't work, she can maybe look at dairy and even look at nightshades, which is um, things like potatoes, tomatoes, aubergine, because sometimes that can cross react. So I would go, almost always it's gluten is the problem okay. with the bloating. Okay, great. Um, and I did ask a uh, uh, for the food diary and stuff and uh, it was full of crumpets bread etc yeah. etc uh, et so yeah. 
she even said to me as she finished the food diary she said oh, I can see what it is now that I've just actually filled out a food diary so Always a it's a really really useful uh, process yeah. to go through guys uh, yeah. that one I, I, mean, I, get, I get it all the time I ask people to fill in a food diary and they say I don't eat anything they're, they're sitting there they're just about getting into the chair and they say oh, I ate nothing it's not what I eat and I think oh, okay fine yeah of course and they come back and they say, see, I haven't eaten much. I said, you've eaten three Mars bars that day. And mm. they yeah, but that was just a little snack. You know? yeah. um, or, or, or even they've got no chocolate on there or anything on there. I said, have you had any chocolate? You say, yeah, I didn't put that on. No, like, that's right. Yeah. That's still food. Yeah. Uh, and they don't put on the, the six Diet Cokes or whatever. I mean, I took another quick, quick story before we finish. I yes. was in America and I was sitting down there. And we were, we'd just come off the plane and there was the only place to eat that was open. It was either Dunkin' Donuts or Pizza Hut. And I thought, oh, well, okay, I'm not going to Dunkin' Donuts, so I'll go to Pizza Hut. Yes. So we went to Pizza Hut and we're sitting there and in come the classic American family. Mother, father, two kids, all of these. And they sit down and I'm looking at them and I wait for the waitress to come around. And uh, the two two good kids order the, the big gulp. Yeah. Which is like this. It's about gallon of bloody gallon, coke. Almost a gallon of coke. Now, the big thing about fructose, which is the stuff that they put fructose corn syrup in yes. coke, is one, it's sugar, and it can only really go to fat if once your liver's full. So, all that stuff was going into that to fat straight away. All, all one gallon of it was going straight to fat. But the other thing about fructose is it doesn't affect your appetite. So you can drink all that gallon of coke. And it has no affection appetite, so you can still eat your four pieces of pizza or whatever. So these two kids had two of these. Yeah, so nice. looking at something like 128 spoonfuls of sugar. Yes. So, but it's all fructose. It's, yeah. not, it's worse yeah. than sugar. So yeah. they, they, they had no affection appetite, but they'd had daily days worth of calories in that drink. So Just that. food diaries are really important, but also you've got to have the drink diary. Yes, the liquid calories. The liquid calories, because it's vast, it can be. Quite often, uh, um the first thing I have to deal with people is alcohol. Yeah. You know, or, or, yeah. or Coke. Or Coke, um, yeah. It's those two things. People get addicted. we got addictive personalities. We're human at the end yes. of the day. And living here in South Wales, people love a drink. Yeah. People bloody love a drink. That's so, true, yeah. um, you know, they underreport, they lie, they, they kind of, uh, you know, but just cutting out the drink for some people, it solves all the solutions, all, all the problems. And sure. like you say, just cutting out Coke and things. Well, uh, e- so. even cutting out Diet Coke, because the problem with Diet Coke these diet drinks you think oh they're, they're healthy they're fine the problem with them is they actually your body doesn't know the difference between um, real sugar and diet sugar and mm. things like sweetness it thinks it's getting sugar so immediately it thinks it's getting sugar so it puts all the sugar that's in your body into fat and then makes you hungry so mm. what's happening is you have a diet drink and it makes you hungry mm. so you eat more so you eat more calories you get fatter again so still, diet drinks also the diet drink still stimulate an insulin response yeah, that's um, what I'm saying exactly so, what I just said yeah, yeah so, it's, 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 that's, that's yeah. the method it does it it stimulates the insulin which puts the sugar into fat and mm. puts the sugar into fat basically yeah. so it's um, well it's really important obviously to, 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 to switch on and, and not, not to uh over consumer too much of that crap well that is probably something we can go into in a lot more detail yeah. the the whole insulin glucose sensitivity yes. thing is 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 where it's all at that and inflammation for me yeah. are really kind of the, the core things we're sure. going to be getting across to people um so uh that is that as they say we will be back hopefully with our first interview we're not quite sure it's going to be yet i'm i'm, I'm lining up uh, different interviews with different people so we'll have an interview for you next hopefully Again, just to reiterate, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, please do so. You will be entered into a, a prize draw. 
And also, if you send us a question between now and January 2014, you'll also be entered into a prize draw. Okay, it will be a cool prize, I promise you. Um, I just haven't thought of it uh, just yet. So, if um, uh, you've got all that and you're happy, that's enough for me for the day. So, that's bye for me, Rich Clark. And bye for me, Mark Daniels. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. You, Me and the GP Radio Show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose, treat or cure any disease. It is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor. Please note, we accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all-round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.